Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week it's Radio Violence. Yeah, so I mean, Radio is obviously like their biggest song, and I'm excited to finally Mm -hmm. get to talk about it. I am so excited to talk about it, too, and to talk about really just the unpacking of the violence that occurs in that song, in this essay that was written by Daniel Andriano on behalf of the Alkaline Trio. Yes, um, really, really exceptional work. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song We've done 161 of them, and now 162. Radio Violence, a song that came out, David, after we started doing this podcast. One of two releases we got to experience with uh, fully fresh ears and perspective, and then work into our uh, list of songs. Uh, Ouvra. Ouvra. Um, We would not be doing this podcast, we would not be continuing to do, I mean, we wouldn't do any of this podcast without the alkaline trio but specifically we would not be continuing with our podcast if not for this song true uh we would be three short and you know we would have ended three weeks ago um weeks ago but instead we are here to talk about radio violence a song from ep the (laughs) expertly titled ep that they released um Featuring that guy, Tony, whose last name I forget. Tony! Hey, Tony! Pretty boy, Tony! He's a mimbo! I guess so. It's a a Seinfeld thing. Um, David, I would love to point out a little connection that I made between this song and the cover of ep by the alkaline trio Mm. you know what i'm talking about it's that little mod symbol that they got there we got the mod cons all mod cons this song reminds me so much of the jam one of my favorite bands of the late 70s wave of punk i thought they started in the 80s pearl jam no oh pearl jam (laughs) yes pearl jam no, Pearl Jam, actually, they started after Cameron Crowe had finished filming singles, which is crazy, because Eddie Vedder is in, uh, what's what's Matt Dillon's band's name? It's good. He's got a good band I forget. Band I haven't seen that movie in a very no, long time. Not very good. No. Great Pearl Jam song on the soundtrack. Um, a lot of great songs on that soundtrack. Also true. Uh, but the jam, the actual band we're talking about here. They say it's the modern world. Mm, yes, yes. Have I ever done my Sting impression on this podcast? Oh, no, but great. Sting, of course, was in the Yeah, jam, yeah. So this uh, is the perfect time to bring it All up. right, are you ready? Uh-huh. Oh, it's me, Sting. <laughs> hey, you bloody wanker, it's me, Sting. Oi, fuck out of here. Bloody hell. <laughs> That's my Sting impression. Dude, that's fucking great, because you you understand the key to a good impression is to say something that the person would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, of course, Sting would say, he probably says it all the time. Yeah, I mean... Well, he said it 
already today. Yeah, when he's out in the desert looking for that rose, he's saying, oi, it's me, Sting. You know, it's just the way it goes. When he's having four-hour-long orgasms, he's saying, hey, it's me, Sting, and I'm still coming. Never The years start coming, and boy, they don't stop. Um, (laughs) But the jam, Tim, would you, uh, now that I will stop interrupting you, and you can explain a little bit, uh, explain to people who maybe aren't familiar with mod culture what the reference is on the cover of EP. We got that little symbol, that kind of like bullseye looking thing. The target. The red and the blue. um, Made very famous by, I I guess, a number of like cultural institutions, but it's a very brutish thing. Mm -hmm. But Austin Powers riffs off of mod culture big time. The Who Mm -hmm. were basically like the mod band. Um, I think that the jam really do something that's i don't know pretty uh remarkable which is they kind of take everything that's good about the who and just make it a little bit better i think that's fair uh i mean i definitely think like i i never got big into the mod culture but like understand that link and like aesthetically like i think the who if we're gonna look at like one of the the older classic rock bands, right? One of the the vintage ones that have been on the shelf for a while. Like, they're definitely the one that I think has the most kind of direct influence probably on, like, punk coming out of England mm-hmm. just with their the volume and sound and live shows and fucking unabashed recklessness. So it, it makes a lot of sense that there's kind of a movement that almost, like, is kind of parallel with that to punk coming up with bands like The Jam you know um Mm -hmm. so it makes a lot of sense and i think what i've always been really fascinated by is like uh you know i would say the members of alkaline true have been pretty open about like having a lot of reverence for that first wave punk stuff um Mm. but you pretty rarely see it actually surface in their music which i kind of think is a good thing um because when they do throw out a reference like this i think it like I don't know, it feels like they're doing a better job of interpolating it and, like, making it theirs and not just, like, full-on, like, referential. Even when, in a song like Old School Reasons, the top of that is very, very, very referential of Mm -hmm. a very popular Clash song. Right. And um, this one is definitely reminiscent of Clash City Rockers and of old, Old School Reasons, what I like about this one and the reason I really equate it with the jam is just that tone is a little bit cleaner. It's a little bit more full. Um, if, you, if you're if you big into guitar tones, I can't recommend the jam enough just because I think they are one of the great Rickenbacker bands mm. of all time. Yeah, I mean, uh, a good Rickenbacker sound is is something I've always enjoyed. I also think aesthetically such a cool-looking guitar. Uh, I was very drawn to it in my youth, but could never afford one of those. They are quite expensive. So expensive. My friend uh, Dave Fernandez, shout out Dave, uh, had a has a Rickenbacker that was uh, a gift from his uncle, and he cherishes it. And I've gotten to play it a few times, and like, fuck... Ooh, uncles, man. Mm. Cool uncles are a good thing. It's true. It's true. Um, 
but I did want to see since we talked about the clash a little bit and you know this first riff kind of inspired by the Clash City Rockers thing there's a you know I remember it, it's been in interviews and it might be in that original sin goddamn it documentary but they talk about it like oh yeah we wanted to be a three piece because we really like you know trios like Jawbreaker and the mm-hmm. Clash and it's like guys the Clash was never a three piece um <laughs> Yes, on the cover of that one record, but like, not never functionally. Um, I mean, okay, so we got there's a little space where it's between Terry Chimes and Topper Eden, mm-hmm. so it's it's then it's Mick, Joe, and and Paul, and I mean, really, you listen to Clash records, and there's some there's plenty of bass lines that are Mick Jones, so. Maybe that's what they were going after. Yeah, I'm sure that is exactly the thought that went into that and not just like, boy, they look cool on the cover of that self-titled album. Um, Let's just put the name Alkaline Trio on uh, that image and sell it as a t-shirt. Still fucking fantastic to me. Um, Shout out to Mike Yerk. Yeah, also great. I mean, I don't know. I That is one thing where it's like, that cover's so fucking cool. I don't mind anyone doing that. Like, there's some mm-hmm. things I'm over. I'm over, like, the Milo from Descendants things. I'm over the Black Flag ones. The Clash ones are fine with me. Enough already. Yes. Um, but this song, Tim, uh, what do you think of it? Good song. It's um, it's just super fun, yeah. you know? I think that the rift comes in, the recognition that you get, from it just as a all right cool you've heard the clash Mm -hmm. that's great Mm -hmm. so have i i i think that like that is it's interesting how that well has been tapped so many times of just doing that it never i don't know i i'm never like oh come on well i mean i think the big thing with it is they do it so quickly here and then kind of move on and I mm-hmm. think that's a real advantage to it. And I think that's the thing is like, there is something about just that kind of like, basically like one, two bar, like punk rock riff style of like, do it unaccompanied. And then everything kind of comes in. That just, it, it works for a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that has become such like a thing. And yeah, it's not something I really get sick of. And I think here, because it just kind of like really shoots you in it's a pretty effective thing. Cause I think starting just with like the intro where Dan's singing would feel a little off in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is, I don't know, this is kind of the ideal EP track. You mm-hmm. mentioned old school reasons and um, I know that was a comp, but same premise. There's the ability to just like throw a burner in there mm-hmm. and really like, go with it not being held down to fitting it within the theme or the sequence of a larger work you can kind of stretch out in different directions and i think that this one is just like good song like in its bones it's fun i think that like the chorus is really nice there's some added stuff that's like a little silly but like you know, it is what it is. It's fun. Yeah, and it's it's fun. And I think initially when I first heard this EP, I was like, I would say I was a little more mixed on this one just because I felt like mine's like Minefields, the first, the Matt song on the EP. I was like, 
oh, this one like feels like pretty creative and like an interesting kind of mix of what they were just doing, maybe with some like of their older sound. I thought there were some cool moves. And this one, I think, I don't know, I... And I, I was really taken with Smokestack, which we talked about. So I think this one kind of like mm-hmm. was kind of the sleeper for me. But coming back to it, I really do just have a good time with it. And I think more importantly, what I think the song does really well is it feels like a song Dan is writing for this band as opposed to like some of the stuff on uh, Is This Thing Cursed, where he's playing a little strummier and it sounds a little more like acoustic guy writing a rock song. And this just feels like he's trying to write mm-hmm. like a, a like vintagey punk song um yeah which is a thing that they don't do super often and i think that's also why it's just kind of like yeah i think this would be like a fun song live i think it's a fun song on the ep and it's also one where like if dan's playing solo and wanted to strip it all the way down to acoustic he could still feasibly do that i think it's a very versatile song for them um which isn't always the case yeah and i really like the way that it comes in um you know you have those four bars of I set down the dream with the rain boots, mm-hmm. you know, down to the window or door. He loves and fucking storm imagery. Dude, I know. I was like listening to it. And I was like, if you're, you're always on a boat. Why are you always out on a boat? I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Florida shit. I don't understand. But then we go off of the boat. We're in a room. And I, I think that it's cool that we have like, two verses for this song and like that first part doesn't it's not really returned to no it's it's like kind of a an intro of sorts but i don't know it's also like its own type of verse yeah it's it's own it's funny because it's got like kind of like a double verse up top essentially mm-hmm. um but i actually like it i think it sets it up pretty well and Aside from me kind of clowning on the, like, storm water imagery, I actually think lyrically, like, this song's pretty solid. It doesn't blow me away, but, like, I think there's some interesting stuff he's playing with. Um, mm-hmm. Like, saying verse in the verse. I don't know. That's kind of funny to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, like, I think I was worried, you know, I, I, I didn't really... I, like, knew the song, but I, I had never really dug into the lyrics. And I think sometimes when I see, like, radio and a song title not like the song yeah. radio but i think sometimes like you know punks were getting a little older writing stuff that's maybe a little like oh i'm gonna write about like listening to the radio man it can be yeah. a little it's a little much and i think in my head i like just equated um this song with that type of song and that's that was really unfair of me because that's not really what it is uh and i think it's much better off for kind of like yeah maybe touching on some of that stuff but in a way that feels more abstract. Like, he's not singing about the, like, glory of listening to fucking Man Cow Muller. He's, like, just kind of, you know, singing a little ditty and the radio happens to be there. Um, I actually called Man Cow one time and told him he was an idiot when I was 17. He is. Uh-huh. Was, is, <laughs> ever shall be. Well, I think what's cool about this song is that we're not talking about NAM FM radio. We're talking about like a, a transmission. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a ham radio type thing. So we're getting like a communication from far off of something that's happening. And I think that that's kind of cool to also play in with the imagery of 
the you know the four walls mm-hmm. and the uh i i do love that line too so dark the verse mm-hmm. um the the mania that is happening in here actually as we're talking about it a little bit more um is this song about the shining oh that's an interesting perspective i had not considered but that would mm. i think that would make some some sense in here ultimately uh i mean looking too like if it went dark tonight would i change colors from tip to tails in white i mean have you guys seen the end of the shining true he's in the picture but i mean either way i think the uh what's communicated is like a cool sense of you know going a little bit crazy somewhere and whether or not this is like directly a reference to something or if that radio transmission is even a real thing for this narrator Mm -hmm. it's cool yeah i mean it's it's uh essentially it says like oh it's a message in a bottle it is uh um I kind of, you know, I so going to the Shining thing. I think I I didn't connect that because I don't see Dan often make references like that. But I do think it makes some kind of sense. And it's just like, I think this kind of like disconnected vibe and like the stir craziness is is kind of appropriate for I think what he's looking at and the fact that this came out. I mean, it was supposed to come out basically for their tour with Bad Religion that got canceled. Uh, mm. You know, um, with the whole dude that. It, that tour with Bad Religion should not have been saying all those things on the message board. That was fucked up. True. I mean, you know, listen, we just have to cancel the men, all of them. Eventually they'll get to me, but I'm just going to do, you know, what all the, the, the big boys do uh, and just not acknowledge it and continue about my life and it won't affect me because that's the, that's the way you sidestep a cancellation. Uh, I love Fred Armisen. Me too. What a fucking guy. Um... But yeah, whatever is kind of, I think what I really like about this is whether this is about The Shining or whether he's like writing about like, I don't know, the fucking perfect storm or like whatever it is, whatever thing (laughs) is like inspiring this. I just like it because it's just textural enough where he's not like, like you said, like uh, the tip of toes and white, like all all that stuff, like that can be read a few different ways. And it's like if I like a song that leaves a little bit of that room lyrically. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's what made, like, looking at, like, Dead and Broken really interesting. Um, you know, being like, okay, like, he's writing about, you know, this God and Lacey Peterson thing, but doing it in a way that's not super heavy-handed. It's just kind of picking a couple small details. And I think that's yeah. usually kind of, like, where they kind of hit a sweet spot. Because I think, you know, even something like Sadie, where he's really going hard and, and, and singing about her he's really only hitting a couple moments that are like very specifically a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's, he's kind of hitting that human element. And I think Dan just does that really effectively here. I think he's like really kind of hitting in the space of like, all right, maybe I'm talking about this, but I'm just trying to make it feel like this really like, you know, abstract version of whatever it is. And I think you can take a lot from that. Totally. I think that there's like a free association element to this too there's just really good like phrases Mm -hmm. i think that the poetics in here are super strong like a line like to southern stumbles soaked in rage by midnight like Mm -hmm. that's 
That's not bad. No, I mean that's that's not grad school level, but you know, it's good. Yeah, I, well, and I think he carries it all very effortlessly in this song too. Is like mm-hmm. I don't think he's. I think my problem with sometimes someone who's like I would say overwriting, you know, and really trying for the line that everyone's gonna fucking like put in their Instagram yeah. story when they're listening to the song, is that like mm-hmm. it just takes on that quality of like say the line, Bart. You know, it's just like a little too. Like, all right, we're waiting for this one thing, but everything else around it really isn't that material. And I think he just sells these lines very well. And I think he's mm-hmm. he's got an interesting lexicon that he's putting in here that I can't really compare to anything else Dan has done. And I really like yeah. it for that reason, is that I feel like he's he's really exploring stuff, even if he's touching on similar, you know maybe a word here or there or kind of temple imagery, but he, he's really approaching it in a way that's not the way he had done the past decade of this band, which is always cool yeah. to feel like he's and all of them, honestly are finding new ways through something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like I get the sense that when he was writing this, he was really just like letting the words guide things in a way that is not, not all that common in punk songs. No, no. I mean, it's, I think that is a really interesting thing because I know, uh, I think I've brought this up recently, but I know like Laura Jane Grace talks about they write lyrics and then she kind of goes through and writes the music to it. And I don't feel like this song necessarily has that type of vibe, but I do think the way the phrasing kind of sits in, it really feels like everything's built around it and kind of like framing it up nicely. And I think that's mm-hmm. such like, Again, kind of a unique approach that like what they're pulling from, the well they're pulling from of that kind of like early punk Mahdi stuff, I think kind of works pretty well for. Um, Grant, he's not doing anything really weird with like rhythm or meter, but I don't think he really has to for that to still sit and for those lines to really just like, I think balance off one another really well. I think that when you are so well versed in, you know, a type of music or a type of song you can like sort of not not fake your way through it but sort of just instinctually put chords together with words that you like Mm. because you know those songs well enough to sort of know where to go know where the minor is know what you want to build towards i don't know i i get the sense that Dan had some fun writing this and it also was just like very creatively inspired. And I think that that's really cool. It's, it's really incredible to see. And we're talking about the most recent thing that they've put out. This to me feels something that like he was really happy with the way it was coming out and probably with the way that it turned out. Yeah. And I think, to me, it's just exciting because it feels like it, it makes me excited for what they're going to do next because it feels like they're kind of turning a corner a little bit. I feel like, you know, there's several of any band that exists for a long enough time. They go through a few different eras and iterations, even if that's not necessarily publicly acknowledged. It just kind of is what sonically happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's true of anyone who does anything for a long enough timeline. You see the kind of trends. But I feel like now they're entering uh, a... F- I don't know. I don't want to call it a phase, but an era where it feels like they're just kind of like, 
whatever. Like we just want to do this kind of song. We just want to do this kind of song. We just want to do this kind of song. And I think that's suiting them well. I think, I think is this thing cursed had a lot of that where, yeah, you could say it's pretty scattershot, but I think it makes a lot of individual songs very successful. And I think the Mm -hmm. CP is a continuation of that. And I really hope that's kind of what they kind of stick into as opposed to like, all right, well, we need to make the return to form or we need to make this type of punk record or we need to make this type of alkaline trio record. It's like people ultimately like them because they are the songwriters. And I think this EP is a good example of like, yeah, these aren't like five out of five top tier songs, but they are really solid and enjoyable. And that to me is like a nice little treat, especially for a three song EP. Mm-hmm. And there's depth. Yeah. We, bo- I think we both have said that we, found a lot more in this song getting ready to do this which partially is because it's new it's not something that we knew all the words to when we were 13 Mm -hmm. but i mean that's uh really the best thing you can like hope for is that something something you hear again and again is is still bringing you new things yeah and i think that's I think that's such an important thing because I feel like right now more than ever, it's it's easier than ever to like hear a band's new record and just be like, well, I listened to it once. It didn't really grab me. Pfft, moving on. Um, mm-hmm. But when you actually kind of sit with it, yeah, I'm not going to come around to some stuff that I think is bad, but yeah. you can you can gain a little more appreciation. Like, And I think that's been what's really fun of basically the more modern stuff, the newest stuff from them. Is that like, yeah, we haven't sat with it forever. So a song like Heart Attacks that I kind of forget about, I go back to it. I'm like, oh, this song's pretty sick. Um, mm-hmm. Or even this one where it's just like, ah, I I maybe just was not in the right headspace when I first heard it for some reason. But like now I actually think it's pretty cool and exists kind of singularly. And that's nice to have. I'd rather have this song be part of the Alkaline Tria oeuvre than not. What do you rate it? I'm going to give it a solid three where it's not mind blowing. It's above average in the good category. Um, but it, it's missing something that pushes me over to really loving it. But it's, but I have fun listening to it. And I think that's what that spot feels like for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to sort of play the long game. Okay. Where I'm going to, I'm going to think that, this is a song that I'm not going to grow cold on. If anything, I might warm up a bit more. Yeah, I, I'm not with. I'm not holding out that that won't happen for me. I, I think it's still very possible. But for where I sit right now, growing in estimation, this is a gut shot three. Um, do you want to hear my Andy Summers impression? Sure. Sting, can't we do a reunion tour? Stuart Copeland's just in the background like boop, 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 boop. <laughs> As you were a podcast about the police, fuck the police. David, my friend, uh Jesus. I don't know if it was obvious, but every everything that we talk about now is just sitting with this air of like finality oh everything impermanence everything oh my god Um, you know in the words of uh the immortal man from new jersey everything dies baby that's fact but everything that dies that podcast sometimes comes back metempsychosis with david anthony 
and Tim Crisp. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. Is that how it goes? Yeah. We talk about Sting. Yeah. Uh, tell a friend, rate, subscribe. We got a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. It's not too late to sign up. Got a cool thing coming down that pipeline and a lot of uh, bonus material. Good well for you to tap, especially if you've been like, man, these guys have been entertaining me for years. Maybe throw them a few bucks that they can split evenly and uh, give some money to a platform that just hosts them, which... I mean, it's it's a worthwhile thing. But and anyway, um, one of us has to go see Fast Nine, and uh, is super excited to see John Cena take his shirt off for the first time in a couple of years. We'll be back next week with a full report on how good he looks. Thank you, friends. Another one for the book. Never stood a chance We've been subtracted